Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable, also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball and the Ladybacks. Tidwell has worked the count full. Strike three, it's over. From one win five years ago to number one in the SEC in 2021, the Razorbacks have their first SEC championship. Welcome back to episode number 190 of the Hog Talk Podcast live from the Hyman Services Studios. I'm your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Porter Hayes. Thank you guys all for coming to hang out, whether it's Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever forum you're listening. If you could please hit that subscribe button for you first-time listeners, and also be sure to leave us a five-star rating and written review while you're there to let us know how we're doing. The show is brought to you, as always, by our friends at Bet Online. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, plus the best part, it's free to sign up. So head to betonline.ag or use your mobile device today and receive 50% off your bonus from your first deposit. From your first deposit, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And Porter and I are going to talk some news from this week, but after that, we've got baseball and softball loaded show for you. Paul Boyd from the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette will join Porter in segment two, breaking down some softball. And in the final segment, we've got Coach Cabo. He will preview the Georgia baseball series this weekend with Chip Towers, who covers the Bulldogs for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm sure you all figured out that opening bite was the final strikeout from Mary Half to end game three against LSU and help the softball team clinch at least a share of the regular season title. And we still have to see what happens this weekend. But Porter, so long as A&M doesn't get swept by Florida, which I know it's going to be painful for some Razorback fans to root for the Aggies, but if they win at least one, the Ladybacks are undisputed regular season champs. And conference titles are nice, but all in all, it's just another step in the ladder to try and reach that ultimate prize. And I think this team knows that. But going back to all of the praise we've given them this year, going from a one-win team five to six years ago to being one win away from what I just discussed, that's, that's one of the best coaching jobs that Courtney and the staff has ever done uh, that this school's ever seen. Definitely. I mean, just for them to get that win. I mean, they had a doubleheader. They lost the first round and or the, or the first game of the doubleheader. And man, you're just sitting on pins and needles. You're like, man, we, you know, they deserve this so much to get this. And, but that's just fitting in this team to you know how hard they've grinded and worked all season. And I asked Courtney or Coach Stifel after the game, I said, how fitting is it that you know it came down to the last game of the, last, of the regular season for y'all to clinch this? And you know, she was like, Yeah, that, that's what we've fought for this whole season. And you know, yeah, that's what we live for. And I was just so proud of them to get there. And you know, they get the week off to really enjoy this. You know, not many teams really get to you know, they have a big win like the UConn win in basketball. And then you've got to turn around and play that next weekend. You know, the, the softball team has had all week to really enjoy this. And, yeah, I think a lot of us are going to be Texas A&M fans. I, I think I even heard Ty Richardson on the morning rush. They had her on at 6.30 this morning. I think uh, he even said he was going to be a Texas A&M fan this weekend. So if you could get Ty Richardson to be a Texas A&M fan, that means something. Yeah, that puts it into perspective. He feels the same way about A&M that I feel about Ole Miss. I don't really hate A&M. I don't care for him. But, yeah, I have made it very clear how I feel about the Rebels, like 
bears or land sharks, whatever they're called. And he has made it very clear, if you listen to the Morning Rush, how he feels. And so uh, if, if he can become a fan, I think we all can. But definitely be rooting for the Aggies this weekend. And uh, just because we, we want to see the Razorbacks get – we don't want to share anything, especially like of that magnitude, a championship. You want that all to yourself. But Well, how, how fitting would that be if it would they would be the co-SEC champions? <laughs> oh, that, the, the conference would absolutely love that. The, off, the office would throw a party, a, a big pizza party over that because you know they're not going to be spending much money. Money. but uh, even though they've got it they're probably not going to be spending it but the sec softball tournament that begins next tuesday may 11th it'll go to the 15th that's at road stadium in tuscaloosa and definitely stay tuned for the next segment like i said we're going to have uh, paul boyd from the northwest arkansas democrat gazette uh, who's been covered this team for years so he has quite a bit of insight i'm sure especially uh, where this team uh, was just watching them and covering them through the years and uh, some basketball news coach Muss hired Cal State Fullerton associate head coach Gus Arganall over uh, over the course of this week I think it was on Tuesday he and Muss have some previous history coaching together at Nevada from 2017 and 2019 and uh, he, he's in place of Corey Williams who of course went to Texas Tech Corey Williams did a lot of great things for us was a driving force for that 2020 recruiting class that was so heralded and, and contributed so much this year and a, a day later, after that hire was made, we lose our associate head coach, David Patrick, who announced he's going to be taking the same spot on Porter Moser, the new head coach at Oklahoma, for the Sooners. So, again, Porter, we are here on a coaching search for an assistant. Now, you would assume that Musk probably has, with all of his connections, he's more than likely got someone in mind, on the, whether it be in the NBA, whether it be at the college ranks. But I really do wonder, this is what, his third time doing this. I believe this is now three with Crutchfield and now uh, with him when he left and then um, like Patrick. So, yeah, that's three. And I'm wondering now, you know, is he going to – now this is, this is the third try will he hire from within? Well, I don't know. I mean, he dealt with this at Nevada too. I think they said between Nevada and here, this was his seventh assistant. I mean, but you look at Alabama football and he deals with it every year with all his assistants going and coming. And if you've got a coach, and, and this is not a knock on Musselman whatsoever, so don't get this twisted or, or or take this out of context. I just think that Coach Musselman's that guy that he he controls things. He wants things done his way. And he's going to try to bring in his guys. So if he, you know, it's almost like the transfer portal for his players. He asked Justin Smith to come in for one year, give him the best that he could, give him 100%. And he said, hey, you know, young man, be able to go to, you know, overseas or declare for the draft. I think the same similar situations with his coaches. He's bringing in a guy that has familiarity with him at Nevada. And he's bringing him in to help him out and and fill that role. So I'm not too concerned with, all these coaches coming and going until it starts becoming a problem, you know, until they start really losing and, and not making the tournament and not making the sweet 16 every three, four years. Because I mean, coach Musselman has that energy, but as much as he wants to bring in his guys, his talent, he wants to bring in his guys that will help him and understand getting these players developed to the next level. Well, and I think that, exactly what you said is the main thing that we should be looking at as opposed to the other side of the argument that we keep hearing about whether he's hard to coach with or hard to play for I understand you can look at the Chris Crutchfield situation and again I say this all the time and I always put in front of it that I'm not saying that this happened but it has been all but confirmed that there was almost a physical a altercation between Muss and Crutchfield and that was one of the main reasons why he left and so I don't think that you can really look at that situation and say that because of that, he's hard to coach with or to play for. He's just not for everybody. Find me a coach in the history of any sport that you're going to look at and say, hey, you know what? He's fun all the time, and I just enjoy every second that I have with him. That's not the case. You're going to hate your life sometimes. That's just the fact. You know, Porter, you and I play. I know you played uh, some athletics at the college level. I never played past the high school level, but I played for a very hard-nosed coach. Some players didn't make it, and then they'd go. a lot of them would go say that it was the coach's fault or whatever. But if you have any question on whether it is worth to play for Coach Muss, just take a look at that picture of Devo Davis after he hit that shot against ORU, and you tell me 
You look at that picture and you tell me if it's worth it or not. Go ask Devo Davis if it's worth playing for Coach Musselman and this staff because we just saw for the first time in 25, 26 years, whatever it was, what he is capable of, what he can build in such a short span. So anybody out there that has this this argument that he and, and this thing that you keep spewing about how and, and again I'm not saying that this is maybe our listeners or anything but I've seen a lot of it on social media and uh, I, I just think that's absolutely ridiculous you go to an elite eight you're going to in those types of situations when you play for a coach that is extremely intense like Mus, you're going to have those people that it's just he's not their flavor for everybody and that's just kind of the way it goes but I mean even if he is a hard ass on, on the coaching, you know, when it comes to coaching and how he wants things done, that does not take anything away how he is as a person. He's a wonderful person. He's out there, you know, cheering on his players. He is just as empath, you know, he's just as energetic when they lose as when they win. I mean, you look at, look, and I brought up coach Saban. You tell me of all these assistants that have went and coached for Nick Saban. They don't know what they're getting themselves into, but look at the reward. Do you think that, I mean, Kyle, would you go coach for Nick Saban for two years if it, you knew that you're more than likely going to get a head coaching job, D1 coaching job for $5 million, four or $5 million a year? Of course you would. No uh, you know? So no these coaches, they know how he is on the court. They know how, you know how intense he can be. That is not a bad thing. Just because he wants things done his way, just because – you know, he's intense and he yells and screams and gets really energetic. It, but like you said, it's not for everybody. And you know what? That's not their fault. They Just because they don't like how he coaches, that, that's nobody's fault. Let them go coach somewhere else and they can run things their way. I think we get in this paradox of, you know, just because they had an altercation, we need to keep that in the locker room. You know, that's none of our business. You know, it, you know what? Two people can have a disagreement. Like we've said this many times on this show. You can have a disagreement. How many times we fought with our brothers and our sisters and, and cousins and families, then it almost turned to blows. I mean, we need to keep that stuff in the locker room. You know, everybody takes it and runs with it like, oh, he can't coach his players. You know, they're sitting. And the only reason why that came up, they're sitting two and four in conference. And everybody's like, oh, they, he Crutchfield left. He can't control the locker room. They ain't saying that crap when he was going to the Elite Eight, were they? No. And I will come out because – if you dug on, I would say if it's like January, February, I started to kind of have questions. I did say I stuck by the I think they were going to finish in the top six. So I did tweet out somewhere. I think it was like maybe mid-Feb, right before they caught their stride. So it was during January, like late in that month. And I did say that, look, you know, Chris Crutchfield left abruptly. The head trainer left abruptly in December. That is definitely something to consider. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that the wheels were just going to completely fall off. And I think that's kind of what this microwave society that we live in, like you said, Porter, the two and four start, people started losing their minds, talked about the players hated each other, said that Musk was going to leave, that Musk doesn't fit in, this and that, and this and that. And those were squashed as soon as we started winning. And so I think that, and you brought up a great point too, with what he does in the community, just today he tweeted a picture of taking – taking a bunch of different pictures with graduates throughout the university. He takes time. He helps people. He helps the students on move-in day. He does things for other sports. He's very – he and Danielle both and Mariah, their whole entire family are very, very active in the community. And so I know that I'm preaching to the choir right now but because the majority of us probably have this same opinion about him that, that Porter and I do. But I just had to bring that up. I've seen it circulating every single day this week on social media. And so, I don't know. I just had to uh, kind of get the cat out of the bag. But, hey, we're back to happy things now. We'll bring up Frank Ragnow. Yeah. Frank Ragnow getting the largest contract in the NFL. So, he's the highest paid, or at least for centers. So, he's now the highest paid uh, center in the league. Very, very well-deserved. Signed a four-year contract exp- extension that will run through 2026. And so, he's going to be averaging a cool, crisp 13.5 mil $25.5 million guaranteed with $42 million total guaranteed. I wonder how much that he's going to spend on fishing. You know, he's got that other little side business that he does. I think it's Grizzly Man Outdoors. Yep. I follow him on Instagram. And I really wonder how much of that uh, he's actually going to spend on. Probably going to get himself a, a pretty nice new boat. You would, you would think that. Maybe even uh, start his own line of lures. That'd be pretty cool, too. 
that or he'll probably you know build a bunch of those little fishing houses up there in minnesota and up way up north you know he was really big on that stuff too yeah i you know i was gonna whenever i saw that he signed that i, I wanted to bring this up i don't think i want to say that he was maybe the uh, he was a top five in terms of the the best recruits that Bielma ever got in terms of rank. I think Alex Collins was the top one. He was like 40th in the country, so he was pretty elite. But Ragnow was in that like top 300 range, had offers from Ohio State. I mean, he picked us over some pretty big schools, uh, being from, like Porter said, Minnesota. I, I don't think that he's talked about enough as, as one of the greatest Razorbacks of all time. Uh, talking about just what he did on the offensive line, what he meant for the offensive line, what he does to people just one-on-one. We've seen him in the NFL. We've seen in college just the, the plays of him driving grown men like himself downfield. It's going to happen because he's an offensive lineman, but I, I don't think that he gets talked about as as possibly the greatest Razorback of all time. And look, you got to put Darren McFadden up there. I understand that, and there's probably other players, but I just I'm just saying I think he definitely deserves to be in the conversation. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you've got to look at the overall, you know, and it's the nature of the beast. It's not that flashy position. You look how great Steve Atwater was at safety, and then and even he gets kind of disrespected. Of I mean, he's up there because of the name, but I mean. He's not like top five, and a lot of the in a lot of it is the generational gap between when he played. There's a lot of people who really don't remember who, Darren McFadden because it was so long ago when he played. But you know, you automatically go to the running back or the wide receiver or, or the quarterback of that team because you automatically think offense when you're thinking of top players that have played for your school. But I mean, you just look at you know Arkansas. With Sean Andrews, Jason Peters, Frank Ragnow, you know, all these linemen have really had a longevity careers in the NFL, and that's kind of what they've done. Yeah, and I think Frank's going to play for a long time. He, he's had some injuries that I know that he had that foot injury when he was at Arkansas, and he had the, <laughs> the broken throat. Remember this past that season? That's insane. That's, that's, that's unbelievable. Played uh, I, with a broken yeah. trachea. Like, was it a trachea, broken trachea, or soft? They called it a broken, a broken yeah, I guess the technical medical term would be a broken trachea, but that's just this and he played a lot at Arkansas played some of his junior senior one of those later years he, he played it with with the broken foot uh, and now I'm sure it got worse and he finally that's pretty much what made him stop playing but yeah this guy's just a a total total iron man so big congrats to to Frank on that on that contract extension very very well deserved and before we head into the next segment Got some in-state high school news, big-time bombshell news that dropped Thursday. Pulaski Academy coach Kevin Kelly, who has been there since 97, I believe his first year as the head coach was 2003, 2002, sometime in there. But he's taking the same spot at Presbyterian College in Clinton, South Carolina. They're part of the Big South Conference out there in the Carolinas. Porter, you could probably actually tell us more about that, having familiarity with that area. But as far as Arkansas high school coaching, he's the fastest coach to 200 wins, got there in 230 games. That's insanely phenomenal. And currently right now he was, well, I guess, still, you could say, uh, as far as active coaches, which I assume he's probably already resigned by this point, but he ranks third. And so definitely a legend in this state. Uh, won a lot of state championships, somewhere around the 8-9 range. I believe the that was their ninth one. Nine. Year. Yeah, the one yep. that they won this past year. and. A lot of respect for Coach Kelly. I played against him. I've covered him. And he gets a bad rap from some people because he, he is arrogant and he's very flashy. But uh, he has always been incredible to me. Every time I've reached out to him, he has gone above and beyond to help me out with whatever I need. And uh, just he's proven what he can do and, and just has not just won consistently but at, at an elite level. And so I, I got to say, though, that is a – Oh, that's a tough scene having to go to this school with. Have you, you've seen their mascot, right? Did we talk about oh, that? Oh my gosh! Yeah, the blue, yeah. They, the Presbyterian. Well, they College. play Clemson every year and get beat like seventy to nothing. Yeah. I mean, it, it it it's like the it, it is the version. It's a UCA version out in South Carolina. But I guess that's what surprises me so much is it was honestly, and this is not joking. I mean, BA could be a better football program than Presbyterian. I mean, I, I don't, I guess cause it's so far away. It's an FCS. School. I saw that they were four and three last year and they had, but before that they hadn't had a winning season since 2014, but, but they're the, they're the Presbyterian college blue hose, H O S E like a water hose, but the, the yeah. blue hose. Oh man. That's, so that's my rough. dad. Okay. So 
they got some weird, weird mascots out there. All right. So my dad's from easily South Carolina, right next to clips. That's like 20 miles from there. His mascot was the green wave, like Tulane. Well, their rival was Pickens. Theirs was the blue flame. So, I mean, they have some of these weird uh, mascots out there. I don't know what a blue hose is and a blue flame. I know blue flame is like a gasoline. I don't, I don't I know. I just can't. I, like, I'm not sure when this college – I haven't really done a ton of research on them, but I, I'm not sure when they were founded. But what in what world is, does that – just doesn't seem like you know people that are in over a education educational institution just doesn't seem like that that would really win the final votes but then again well and, and if you're really dogging on them you and, and i'm not going to announce the word it's in the mascot but you're a christian school and people is dogging on you about your mascot that could have a really bad look yeah yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, and 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 I just want to make. I'm not saying you're accusing me of it. I, I'm not dogging them. I'm just saying that is like a. That that's just a. That's a, that's just pretty interesting. I'll I'll leave it at that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. That's that's crazy. But yeah, uh, big. Uh, also, we got to wish some congrats to Coach Kelly. He's a a again just a guy that I can't say enough good things about, and especially this past season with all that was going on with the COVID stuff and everything, but. Uh, he really uh, made just everything that I asked him, uh, requested, anything like that, he was always really good about. But we are up against a break. Up next, Paul Boyd of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Stay with us. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. Make your outdoor experiences even better with Canon sunglasses. Their Japanese optics make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger, plus the Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code KANONCAST15 at KANON.com to receive 15% off of your first pair. That's K-A-E-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. KANON, clearly better. Welcome back to the Hog Talk Podcast. This is episode 190, and now we will go to the Workman's Travel Center hotline where we welcome in Paul Boyd of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Paul, how are you doing today? Uh, doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, first, before we dive in, yeah, thank you for taking your time to come be on the podcast with us. And I know you've you've covered the women's basketball team for a few years now. And this year, you got to really jump in on the softball team. And I have to say, man, what an amazing time to be a, a, a media person for the women's sports and, you know, Arkansas Razorbacks as a whole. Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, we were talking, I was talking with a couple of other people, uh, last couple of days about just how outstanding a year the, uh, it's been for, for the women's sports in general, just about every sport on campus has, has really been outstanding. Yeah. And I've noticed and talking to a lot of the coaches, I mean, it seems like it started at the top. I mean, coach Diefel, coach neighbors have really talked about you know just the culture that and the tone that honey your has really set for you know not only the men's basketball team and the football team and the baseball team but i think it's really trickled down to the women's sports and where they actually feel they're just as important to as all the rest of the sports track and field soccer i mean so how much big of an impact do you think that has on on their strive to excellence well, I, you know, you, you're, you're not wrong that, that they, they've been outstanding this year. And, and Hunter Yurichek's done a, done a fantastic job, no question. But, but honestly, we got to go all the way back. I mean, uh, Courtney Diefel, uh Jeff Long hired Courtney Diefel. So you, you can't forget that. Uh, so, so he made an awfully good hire five, six years ago. And, uh, and she's not the only one, uh, because we, uh, had this discussion just yesterday that, you know, uh, it was under Jeff Long that they also chose to decided to, to merge the two athletic departments together. Um, you know, there, there were, you know, some people might, you know, say, eh, I don't know that I like that we got rid of the, the lady backs and, and all of that, but he put them all together under one umbrella and, and I think that it, in itself, that idea kind of uh, permeated that 
hey, we want all of these programs to do well and we don't want them separate. We want everybody to think of them together. Yeah, and I think that gets lost in the transition because of they see the success that, you know, all the teams have had. And, you know, it's really nice having Hunter go around and, and really support the teams that, like he does. I mean, he was at the soccer match last night. I mean, what really AD really goes to the great lengths to really congratulate all the sports, whether it's men's tennis, track and field golf. And, you know, like I said, he made the plane trip out there to North Carolina to watch the soccer team and, you know, ended up losing two to nothing to Santa Clara. But let's talk about the soccer team for just a second, because that was just a unorthodox season where they played a full fall slate had a few months off, and then they had to scramble together a few games and get ready for the national tournament. Well, that and, and you know, the, every team around the country had to deal with that, uh, you know, and, and some programs didn't even have a fall season at all. You know, COVID was so bad in, in certain areas of the country to where they just pushed everything, you know, to the spring. But, you know, Arkansas was a little different in that they had their spring season. You know, the SEC was, you know, they they were able to get their get everything together to where they were able to put together a, a season of sorts. But uh, and they chose to kind of do this differently. I've talked to Kobe Hale a little bit. Uh, they made the choice that, hey, we're going to have a few a few matches here in the spring, but it's not going to be, you know, like like the fall. But uh, they gave, he even gave them a little time off. They had some kids who had some injuries that they, they gave them some time to get, get well and gave them a little time off and then kind of ramped back up here lately to get, uh, you know, to, to get back and get ready for postseason. Yeah, and now, now we'll jump, you know, to the team you've covered for the most years is, you know, the women's basketball team and the job that Coach Neighbors has really done and what Chelsea Dungey really did to set that foundation. We all know the amazing player she is and getting drafted along with Destiny Slocum. But I really want to talk about just what she's done for future Razorbacks coming in. All these kids, Sasha Goforth, coming in back in from the transfer portal. You know, what has someone like Chelsea Dungey and Mike Neighbors done that has really gotten to attract someone like Sasha to come back and to get all these recruits that four or five years ago, they wouldn't be able to get. Well, they, I mean, it, the, the big deal is now they have something to show them. I mean, they, it's, it's not like years ago when Mike got here, when he said, you know, he was selling a vision uh, like Courtney Diefel with, with her kids, uh, you know, when they were, they were one in 23 in the, uh, in the SEC and Mike's bunch was picked last, you know, picked to finish last in the SEC you know, the only thing they had to, to talk to recruits about is, is their vision. They didn't really have anything to show them. Well, now they have something to show them. And Chelsea Dungy's she's one of the reasons for that. Yeah, and, and I was talking to, actually, when we had Coach Dyfel on last week, and I was just talking about the similarities between the two programs. You know, you, you just stated one in 23 to now, you know, they're top of the SEC. Coach Neighbors was picked 14th in the league. Now he, you know, was 14th in the nation. It's just amazing just how similar both programs have gotten. But I want to talk about, you know, Coach Dyfel is such a humble coach. And even the inkling of us talking about her being deserving of Coach of the Year, National Coach of the Year, she was very dismissive about it. Like she wants to talk about her team and her girls, and she doesn't want any of the recognition for herself. Oh, well, you know, most, most good coaches are that way. I mean, they, they, they're good leaders and, and that's, that's just part of who she is. I mean, it's, it's not about recognition for her. It's, it's her coaching staff, her players, it's everybody around her. And, uh, and that's, that's no surprise at all, really. The question I asked her, and I want to ask you the same thing in any other year, you know, if a team has normal success, you might say that, but how they were one in 23 to now. I mean, I, you would think, and I asked her the same question was like, you know, it, the first time shouldn't you embrace it? Like to be at, put yourself at the top and be like, okay, this is where we are at now compared to where we come from. You know, it's almost like you want to embrace it and be, be very excited about it this first time, because this is your first taste of success at Arkansas. 
Oh, she she wants her kids to be excited. She's not. I mean, she's just not gonna. She's not gonna broadcast it. I mean, she. she I I have no doubt she's proud. Uh, she's proud of the accomplishment, and she's proud of her team. But she's just that type of person who's just not gonna broadcast it, man. Yeah, yeah. And and so, how was it cool? You know, for you, you were at all the home games and stuff to see. Really, from the media standpoint, you were there from the beginning until now, watching the team grow and the popularity grow. And I, I remember the first game of the season, I was able to go sit in the press box. But by the end of the season, I, you know, there was no room. You know, I was out in the outfield covering a couple of games in the outfield with in, in the berm. So, I mean, how cool was that to watch the progression of this team over over the season? Well, it, it's it's been an outstanding season. Uh, I was talking to someone else, you know, you, just a little bit ago about how this team has kind of of navigated, you know, issues. I mean, they've had they've had their their issues with injuries and and people missing time, but uh, they've managed to get through it. It's and and that's that's part of a really really good team right there. You just find a way around certain problems, you know, people out people missing time well we have to plug someone else in there and, and they were able to do that yeah and we're talking about you know plug and play but you know we're talking about the stars you know I, I i forgot about braxton burnside being out a couple of, and then danielle gibson had her her um concussion issues mary half had issues they went through a covid deal where they were out some games and had to travel to te- or was it texas for 36 hours and for them to overcome all that and still finish at the top. And I mean, to lose only two series, I mean, I, it's kind of funny and ironic. It was, they were both at home. They had a better winning percentage away from Bogle park, but there was two, two really good series in Alabama and Missouri. But yeah, that says a lot about just the buy-in. And I asked coach Diefel, you know, just how much last year getting taken away from them meant for them this year. Well, I, I, I think all the kids, and, and I've had that discussion with, with three or four different ones, and they all kind of said the same thing, that it, it, it made them a lot more hungry. I, I think they, and they don't take anything for granted. And I mean, I've heard that from a lot of athletes this year, and I don't think it's just lip service either. I, I mean, I think they really mean it. I think it's the truth. Yeah, and I think that shows, you know, because this is, I, I asked Courtney and told her, I think this is the most balanced team they had, because if, you know, storms was off you know she had her back issues half come in just really stepped up we've seen the emergence of jenna bloom and that third option really come in and really do a good job pitching and of course we all talk about braxton burnside and her uh hitting ability but you know she can really get it done on the the defensive side and then we've seen torres have that really nice diving catch out there to really kind of save the series almost against lsu so it's really nice because you get the best of both the world's when they're playing off each other they're when they're very balanced well it's they they are i mean here, here's the thing that that looking at this past weekend just for instance you know uh, daniel gibson and and uh, and braxton burnside two of the probably the two best run producers for them they were a combined one for 17 with one rbi this past weekend but yet they still found a way to win two or three in in the biggest series of the of the season so i i, I think that speaks for itself Oh, yeah. And looking forward to the SEC tournament. I mean, they're almost really a, a lock for uh, to host a regional. And pro- possibly if they get that top eight seed, they come out of the region, host a super regional. What, what do you think their mindset is going into the SEC tournament? I mean, is it, I don't know how really the layout of the tournament is. Is it kind of like baseball where you're just, you're not really going to win it, win it? You're, you're kind of looking for that placement to where you do good enough in the, SEC tournament to where you still get that region and super regional host? Well, I, and, and I haven't really asked that question yet. I was, you know, that's a question I'm going to ask here in the next few days, but you know, my opinion is they, they've done their work. I mean, honestly, the, it is kind of like baseball, the SEC tournament in softball is, is there's so many really, really, really good teams uh, you know, the last time two years ago, every SEC team made the NCAA tournament, all 13 of them. So I don't know that that's going to happen because the one projection I saw recently saw 12 of the 13 going to make the tournament. So, but, but what you were saying, as far as mindset, 
I, I just think they, they go in and go, okay, we're, we're going to, you know, we'll go as far as we can go. Uh, I, I also think that probably uh, the availability of autumn storms probably affects that a little bit. And, and I think that's, she said it to me over and over and over again. She's, she's dated, excuse me, she's day to day. And, uh, and I, I think they'll be careful there, but I, I think, you know, her availability is obviously going to affect how they, uh, how they approach things in the tournament. So if she's not available. I mean, then you know, you got half and bloom. So if storms is not available, what, what other pitcher really kind of needs to step up and take that third role in, in place of if Jenna bloom, if she has to move up to that second spot? Well, there's, I mean, your, your guess is as good as mine because none of the other ones have, have really pitched. I mean, so, uh, you know, who, who needs to? I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Allie Light seen a little time. Lauren Howell seen a little bit of time. But none of those, the, those guys haven't really saw any action to speak of here lately. So, so we'll, that'll be a wait and see deal. And we talk about the similarities between softball and baseball, but the big difference is, you know, you can rely on two or three pitchers in softball. You know, what advantage does that have, especially coming to a postseason setting where if you've got one or two pitchers really on fire, you can really rely on them to carry you through a tournament? Well, absolutely, uh, 100%. But I, I just believe, I, I think Arkansas, it provided that storms can, can, can go for them, I think those that one-two combination with half and storms with the fact that they they kind of their approach is different and they give teams a couple of totally different looks I think that gives them a little advantage too so moving forward you know we're talking about the whole state of the program I mean when is the last time you remember the whole Arkansas athletic program being this successful and and where the buzz is back you know we talk about when the basketball team went to the sweet 16 and you know the football team was eligible for a bowl game but it got canceled due to COVID but when was the last time you can kind of remember the the buzz as a whole around Arkansas athletics well the I I think you you have to go back to the the heyday of Nolan and and all the you know the final four and the national championship and and when they were going, you know, deep in the tournament all the time, I mean, I, because they were relevant on a national scale. Now you start looking at this, you know, you say big picture is the, the athletic department as a whole. Eh, I'm not sure there's ever been, you know, track, track and field. Uh, they, they've been great forever. I mean, you go back for, uh, you know, John McDonald and, and what he's done and then Bucknam and, and Lance Harder. I mean, they, that, that program has been, uh, an, you know, a national icon forever, but, uh, but you take that aside, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that it's, it's ever been like this. Do you, what do you think? No, I mean, when you talk about like overall, I mean, there's been points where football, but you got to remember back when basketball was good under Nolan, there was a big stretch where football was just coming into the sec and they were atrocious. Exactly. Then you had a little bit of the time where football was good in the late nineties and, basketball was okay it's there's never been a, a mixture where all three sports the big sports you know if you want to go with them look at just the main three were good much less I mean at one point in time every spring sport was ranked and yes. but the final point I wanted to make was you know how much of the transfer portal do you think that has given schools like Arkansas these the ones that are not really the the blue bloods of their respected sports really catch up and I think of any team out there, any program in the nation, I think Arkansas has really, you know, fed off of it more and had the most success of a lot of their sports because of the transfer portal. Well, they've had some for sure. No, I mean, you, I mean, you're, you're specifically talking about men's basketball, but where else, I mean, where, where else have they had a great deal of success in what other sports do you think? Well, um, I mean, you got to go look at basketball with Chelsea Dungy, you know, at Slocum, and you look at softball with, you know, what they've been able to do with Braxton Burnside, Danielle Gibson, uh, men's basketball with what Justin Smith helped them do and get their program on the map. You know, it's, it just seems like they've really been able to come, you know, not, not really be elite, but it's got to them at that successful level where they've never been before. 
Well, that that's for sure. But you know, I I guess I'm I'm looking at the, at the portal is a relatively new thing. Okay, I mean you've had tra- we've had some transfers, but the I mean in the last couple of years this portal has it's totally totally changed. You know how how things work in college athletics. Oh yeah, definitely. And I you know Eric Musselman has been you know called the importer. You know and coach neighbors I just what I was getting at is I think it's really helped the smaller the schools like Arkansas that they're not you know when you see so much parity in these other sports it's really nice that Arkansas has been able to get to that peak in women's basketball you know really get to that peak in softball get to the lead eight run in men's basketball and it gets me excited but also you look at women's basketball and Sasha Goforth and Braxton Burnside these are two kids from Arkansas that went away for college and now they're wanting to come back home, one, because of the success, and two, the transfer portals really allowed them to come back home. It's, it's given them an opportunity for sure. That's no, no question, no question. It's, but, again, nowadays, again, we're talking about Braxton's, you know, was a couple of years back and, and, and Dungy. It's, it's just, to me, the, the portal now versus when you're talking about it, it's just a different animal now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Paul, I I really appreciate you coming on, but tell us, you know, where we can find your articles. I see, you you know, you cover the games. And for me personally, I have a smaller platform with this podcast, but I really want to, you know, appreciate you and thank you for really helping bring more coverage to the women's sports. I know we've talked in the past basketball games and, you know, they're allowing you to cover the softball games. So I really want to thank you for what you've really done to be there all the press conferences because you know I've been in that press box when there's one person and I've been at UConn games when there's 25 so I I really appreciate what you've done well uh, thank you Uh, you know I'm I've I've been here in in northwest Arkansas uh, since 2003 I I worked for the morning news uh, and then we became, you know, we merged with the with the uh, Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and and now, you know, working here, uh, wonderful place to live, uh, fun, a lot of fun programs to cover for sure. makes makes the job a whole lot of fun for sure. Well, and how awesome is it getting to work with you know a bunch of other legends up there, you know, when it comes to Razorback sports, and really learn from them and work by, beside them day after day. Oh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff, man. Uh, Tom Murphy, Bob Holt, just fantastic people, man. Great, great knowledge and uh, and great at what they do. Well, Paul, again, thank you so much for coming on. And, you know, we'll be look. we'll talk again soon. You know, I know we'll be catching up after the softball and after the year's over with. Absolutely, man. Uh, it should be uh, still, I think we still got a ways to go with these guys. Uh, you know, uh, could could be seeing them in Oklahoma City here in a month or so. Yeah, hopefully they'll get a, a super regional and get to Oklahoma City. Well, well, that will do it for this segment. After the break, we'll be back with Kevin Bohannon, where he'll be interviewing Chip Towers of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We'll be back after the break. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com, call us at 501-428-0877, or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. 
Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Welcome back to episode 190 of the Hog Talk podcast. With us is Chip Towers from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He covers the Georgia Bulldogs in every sport. This this week we're talking to him about the upcoming matchup between the Georgia Bulldogs as they visit the Arkansas Razorbacks. Welcome, Chip. Thank you. Yeah, glad to be here. How are you? Doing good. Appreciate it. So talk to me about this Georgia Bulldog team this year. We don't have Emerson Hancock. We don't have Colwell Cox. What is this pitching staff going to look like coming to Fayetteville this weekend? Yeah, that's, that's kind of the million-dollar question with the Bulldogs right now. And, and um, uh, if there was any – you know, everybody was disappointed to lose the 2020 um, baseball season, but there couldn't have been any teams more disappointed by that than, than the 2020 Georgia baseball team. Uh, they were – ranked number two in the country. They were literally on the bus in uh, uh, Brunswick, Georgia, on their way to Gainesville, Florida, to take on number one ranked Florida when the plug was pulled on the whole season. And, of course, on that bus, is, as you referenced, was Emerson Hancock, uh, Cole Wilcox, a bunch of other, you know, grizzled seniors and juniors, good arms, good bats, uh, all heading down there. And it, it was one of those years that, you know, uh, even Coach Scott Strickland will tell you, I mean, they were – they had their eyes on Omaha all the way. And uh, they had actually had really good teams the previous two years and got snuffed out in, in right. you know, super regional finals to get there in upsets, you know. And so they were, they were frothing at the mouth hungry. Uh, fast forward to this year, you know – uh, Emerson Hancock, Cole Wilcox, uh, a bunch of those other guys um, are, are, are now playing pro ball. Um, now, you know, Georgia has uh, some, some veterans back from that team. Um, you know, their, their, their motto is basically, uh, uh, you know, one more time, something like that. I can't remember what it is, but it, it was, it, you know, it was basically let's get back. And, uh, but between COVID and, um, man, mono, uh, two arm injuries in the fall, uh, you, you know, from their, from their uh, pitching staff, you realize how, how fragile it is and how hard it is to get in that position. And they're hanging tough. They're scrappy. Um, they played a bunch of close games. Um, they, you know, they, they take two or three from Vanderbilt on the road at Nashville. I'm sure that's what they're leaning on as they head to Fayetteville uh, for this three-game set. Um, but really, just overall, the depth, the, the quality of depth is not there. They got a young, a lot of young players that might be hitting that wall a little bit at this point, you know? Right. Uh, even, even in a, a bit of a uh, uh, shortened up season, it's still a lot of games for these guys who were playing ha- uh, high school ball and, and maybe – travel tournaments before, you know, the, the four games a week, five sometimes, and the long uh, hours at the baseball field, they, they add up. But they're a scrappy bunch, and, and this is a huge series for them. Obviously, it's a big deal playing number one anytime you get that opportunity to do that. But, um, you know, getting – you know, having to go on the road. They're at Arkansas, on the road at Arkansas, on the road at Florida – and then back home against Ole Miss. So, you know, three straight, um, you know, just typical SEC grind series in a row. And they need they need to win the line share of these games <laughs> to put themselves into position to get back to the NCAA tournament again. Kind of a long shot at this point. Yeah, and it, from everybody I talked to, and I got a really good friend, Jeremy Mahan. He's from Georgia. He, he – he, Listen, listen and read you growing up, all your articles, and since you've covered the Bulldogs for so long. And he said, man, it's just a roll of the dice. It's like a coin flip. What team are we going to have this weekend? But they seem to be led by the twins, the Tate twins, Connor yeah. and Cole Tate. Talk a little bit about them. Well, those guys, are, Well, I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you from Bogart, Georgia, and they play ball, you know, five miles down Hog Mountain Road from me. I mean, they are, <laughs> they are local kids, right? And uh, they weren't really – you know, they weren't really big deal 
recruits. I mean, not not to the extent of of like a lot of these guys are who, who go yeah. SEC that you know, am I going to turn pro or am you know am I going to accept the million dollar contract or am I going to go? But they weren't those kind of kids, and I think Georgia really got more out of them that they want than they than they expected. And and I always get turned around about which one of them is the DH and and which one of them is the shortstop. They look just alike. But one of them's hitting 351, the other one's hitting uh, 304. Um, they have 12 homers in between in between them. Connor Tate, I believe, is the DH has 10 of those. Yeah. And um, you know, they're just a they're just a really strong uh pair of guys in, in the lineup. The up but the other thing, you know, um Josh McAllister has been a great player for him. Uh he's he's been at sideline twice because of the hamstring injuries. Uh, Corey Collins, a, a really, really good-looking freshman um, who who really surprised a lot of people by not taking a, a Major League Baseball offer and decided to come to Georgia. Just a, a great power hitter. He's one of those that that even when he comes to bat with nobody on, you, you say there's a runner in scoring position. He's that, <laughs> he's that type of guy. Uh, but he's had injury issues and, and – uh, it's been kind. Of, it's just been kind of crazy this year. They've had a hard time staying well and keeping their nine best out there every single week. Never mind the pitching situation. Yeah, and if you look at it, I think the way the SEC does it, you have to have so many plate appearances per game. Georgia only qualifies six players in their lineup that would qualify for the batting title because they they've rolled about six or seven other guys in at some point during the year because of, like you said, with McAllister having the hamstring issue, the mono issue with the other guys. But it, it seems like down the stretch, Coach Strickland's going to have to figure out who his best eight on the – or best nine, including the DH, who his best nine are on the field. Yeah, and, you know, and that, I think that's, you know, the bottom line on this is is when you're this late in the year and, and, and you might not – you might not even be sure who those nine are – um, Scott Strickland because he just hadn't been able to go. And, you know, I didn't even mention that he had COVID. And and not only did he have COVID knock him out, but, you know, he had a particularly nasty strain. I mean, he was really on his back at one point needing total darkness in the room um, to be able to rest comfortably um, for two weeks. Uh, you know, you take that – you take your head coach out of this situation in the middle – I'd was right at the beginning of the SEC season, and they were uh, – uh, I know they were playing Clemson, uh, uh, non-conference midweek during the middle of that. Um, you know, that's been tough too. In fact, you know, Strickland's one of those guys, one of the, one of the head coaches that throws bat in practice every day. Yep. It, it took him a long time to be able – he's just now really to where he's able to throw bat in practice. He, that's just what he likes to do. It. He's a former catcher. It's a big part of what – Georgia does is him throwing bat practice. He's just now getting to where he can do that and not have to be taken off the field in a stretcher. So, you know, it's, this is a this is a team hanging on by a thread <laughs> as they show up in Fayetteville. Yeah, we, we were definitely keeping him in our prayers. And I have a lot of respect for Coach Scott Strickland. He came from Kent State, and he has really invigorated the Georgia baseball program because – and a lot of people may not realize this because California, Texas, Florida, they get talked about all the time as being hotbeds for athletics, especially baseball. But in my mind, Georgia is one of the top two or three hotbeds for baseball, especially around the Atlanta metro area. There are probably more high-end baseball players per capita in that area than any other place in the country. You're absolutely right. And, you know, and you say, well, you have you have that at your disposal. But, you know, baseball is so complicated, you know, start with the 11.7 scholarships and then you're battling major league scouts that are all over Atlanta. There's a particular league down there called East Cobb, you know, league. Oh, where, yeah. I mean, I mean, in, any player that's anybody in Atlanta usually comes through. There's another place out of a, a, a winder now. I believe they're called Georgia Elite or something like Team that. Elite. Yeah, Team, Team Elite. Yeah, Team Elite. I mean, Kumar Rocker plays you know, for Yeah, I mean, you got – you know, you, you you have to protect all those areas. You have to recruit all those guys. You have to – how much aid are you going to be able to give them? Uh, you know, what – you know, how, how much can you help them? And uh, he's done a great job of managing all that. Um, 
you know, he came, he succeeded Don, uh, Dave Perno, which was a little bit of a controversial um, dismissal by former AD Greg McGarity. And he brought in Scott Strickland. And I think the one, one thing that he did that was really, really good, he preached patience. He said, look, I, you know, this isn't, I'm not, this isn't a quick fix. I mean, I, we want to win every game we possibly can, but he, he started back in high school on freshmen, ninth graders, 10th graders, 11th graders, and, you know, really concentrated on building those classes and getting them in. And you can see that foundation has held strong, you know, with two straight NCAA tournaments last year would have been another NCAA tournament team. And, and this, this team is certainly on, the periphery with, with, with any luck, if they hadn't had so many juniors uh, go pro, you know, this one right. would be even more powerful team. And that, you know, talking about your Arkansas club, I mean, that's what's so impressive is the, the, the seniority, the leadership, the experience uh, that is on that team meshed with young talent. Uh, it, it makes a big difference when you're going out there and competing on weekends. Yeah. Perfect game just released there top 150 prospects for the 2022 draft and you got three Arkansas guys in the top 15 with Caden Wallace, Robert Moore and Peyton Paulette. All those guys could have been in the 2020 class. Moore graduated early. Of course, Wallace is going to be 21 next August. So he may leave early, but another guy that's in that mix as well, that that's on your pitching staff that, that has really impressed me from the time I seen him when he was 16 years old, is Jaden Jaden Woods? Yeah, he, he he was a late commit to Georgia. Talk about what he's brought to the ball club as far as you know that young guy coming out bullpen starter. He's kind of been a jack of all trades so far. Yeah, that, and that's been well needed because uh, yeah, the bottom line, Georgia really doesn't know what they're going to get out of a third starter. Uh, they still haven't settled on that at this point. I mean, they're pretty solid with uh, with Jonathan Cannon and Ryan Webb as their first two, and for a while there because one of those guys was coming off of, of mono and one of those guys was coming off of COVID. They started the year rotation with those guys going Saturday and Sunday, which yep. left them in an unusual Friday void. You know, <laughs> who are we going to throw on Friday? And, and poor Luke Wagner uh, uh, is the guy who, who he wasn't even really here as a pitcher necessarily. Number one was a guy that, that got a lot of those calls and, and, uh, they finally gotten to the point where they can flop that now. And so, you know, you got Ron Webb and, and Jonathan Cannon going the first two, but they, they haven't been quite the pitchers that they hoped in terms of, of, of gobbling innings. And you know how it is. If you don't get a lot of innings on the front end of your SEC weekends, and you, then you're fighting that all weekend. And, and um, uh, that's where Jaden Hoods is, it, Woods has been great about coming in and just gobbling up innings in the middle of whatever situation they have. His future is really, really bright. Uh, you know, whether it's as a starter, as a closer, I, I, he can do both. Um, you know, he's got really good stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, but the problem for Georgia's staff is, as a whole is just throwing strikes, you know, just getting out there and, and putting it in play, their walks is is uh, you know I don't have it in front of me right now, but their 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 walks are are not good at all. Um, and and you know as as you know with Arkansas, I mean you just can't give them uh, a bunch of free passes, a bunch of free outs because they'll absolutely cash them in. I happen to be talking to uh, Scott Strickland uh, earlier in the week about another story I was doing, and he was watching Arkansas tape. Uh, you know, and I, I said, how you doing, coach? And he said, I'm doing all right. I turned on this, this Arkansas video and started watching them. You know, he said, uh, you know, he was very complimentary of Arkansas and, and what they have to take on this weekend. And, and he knows that uh, it's a big, big mountain they have to climb. Yeah, and to, to your point about the third starter, it seems like Arkansas has had that issue lately. Also, Lyle Lockhart didn't make it out of the first inning last weekend against LSU in a series we were up 2-0. Now, you may get to see freshman phenom Jackson Wiggins this weekend on Sunday. Uh, it'll be Mother's Day, a good start for the freshmen. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens on Sunday, considering both teams haven't really settled on the third starter yet. It might be the rubber match. Yeah, that's – you know, and that's what George is praying for at this point. You know, just get to a rubber game, you know. Yeah. Uh, split those first two somehow, some way. And then you've got a shot. And, you know, it, it was – they looked they looked dead on the road. They looked like roadkill 
heading up to Vanderbilt earlier in the year, things hadn't gone well. A lot of guys were, were out, you know, and some of them were just coming back and weren't hundred percent when they went to Nashville play on number one ranked Vanderbilt. And I mean, they broke out. Uh, I, I think they outscored them 25 to eight for the weekend. Oh yeah. You know, just, just all of a sudden started going yards. So they know they have that capability, you know, they know they have that kind of talent and uh, you know, they're going to need every ounce of it this weekend. If they're going to come out of there with a, with even with one game, but they're, they're certainly uh, going to be, you know, focused on getting two out of three for sure. Yeah. And, and Chip, before we let you go, I ask every opposing team media member every week, their prediction on the weekend and what they think will happen Sunday night when the dust is settled, who, who won the series and by how much? Well, I mean, I, I you know, I think uh, Arkansas is going to win it going away. I, you know, I hate to, to, you know, I covered the hometown team over here uh, in Athens, but uh, uh, you know, this is this is David and Goliath, and and you know, they definitely need to hit them in the head with a with a rock, right? You know, to to make this happen, it's going to take a, a special effort. But you know, I'm really impressed with Arkansas. I'm impressed with the SEC this year. Uh, I think you know the league's always strong, but to be on top of this league, never mind being on top of the nation at the moment. Um, is a tall order, and uh, you have to go on the road. Yeah, I, I, can, I don't know if you remember Larry Munson, the longtime broadcaster for Georgia. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But I can hear his gravelly voice right now, you know, talking about getting the fame. There's just no way to get there from here. We just can't get there, you know. I mean, it's just uh, – it's better now than it used to be. Georgia will fly directly out of Athens and directly into Fayetteville, but uh, it is it's still a long way. And But it's more about those, you know – those 35 in each dugout uh, or whatever it is they're going to take. That's a, that's a good Arkansas club. So I, I would uh, give the nod to the hogs in this one. That's awesome. Hey man, Chip, thank you so much for joining us. We hope to have you back on during football season Uh, for Chip Towers. This is Kevin Bohannon. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review, and that'll be it. Go hogs. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.